You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls? Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. We're getting the pulse of the nation. The pulse of Packer Nation. That's right. Just came up with that on the spot. Bet you don't even believe it, because that was so amazing. Pulse of the Nation. All right, uh, that's enough of that. Don't have a ton of calls, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Might be a little abbreviated. We'll see if anybody else calls in. Also depends on how long-winded I am. Click, click, click with my answers. Let's get it started with uh, Trevor from Virginia. What's up, Trevor? Hey, Ryan, Trevor again. I know, I did three minutes last time, so it'll be quicker. That's right. Also, I mean, I just... I don't think this is last call was yesterday. Giants. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to both be 12, 13 win teams this year, but you know they're combined nine and three. When you got ten teams that are three and three in the league, which I don't know if you care to look it up. I mean, I feel like that's the most three and three teams probably, probably one of the most there's ever been. Just seem there's a lot of parity this year, a lot of close games, um, and everybody else being mediocre isn't a reason to say we're good enough. But you know, right now we're good enough to be in the playoff hunt. And if, if you can make it at the end of the year and be clicking at the right time, you know, you can make it. But I don't know. But I get it. We lost to the Jets and Giants, which last year or any time in the last five years would look like a disaster. But when you got ten teams that are three and three, I don't know. Them being four and two and five and one doesn't – I don't think the losses look as bad. Of course, hindsight would be 2020 when you see their final records at the end of the season. But go back, go. couple thoughts. Um, you're right. The parity is hilarious. Um, a lot of really good teams are really struggling. Packers, Tampa, the Rams, down the line. A lot of teams that you expect to be really good are like, what the heck is wrong with this team? They're just not playing good ball. And a lot of bad teams, Eagles, uh, Giants, Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars kind of-ish, um, are suddenly playing competent football. And so, yeah, every, it feels like everybody's kind of 3-3. Three and three. It feels a little bit different. Like if you're a Packer fan... Your team sucks if you're, a, I don't know, Jets fan or trying to think of a different three and three team. But the expectations matter. The problem I have with that general thought is, you know, well, such and such is like a four and two team. So, you know, they're a good team. Okay. Shouldn't we beat good teams, especially if they're not like premier teams or just like kind of good, good? Or is the standard now we only beat bad teams and we kind of suck against any kind of competent team? That would be my only thought. I, I do understand at least trying to trying to see it from a different perspective of we didn't lose to the worst team in the league just because their name is the Jets. I get that. But I'm not going to pretend that because they're not the worst in football, we should have lost. No, we should have won because that's what, you know, Super Bowl contenders do. They beat teams that are like four and two-ish that are kind of good, good, you know. Uh, teams like the Vikings or the Chargers or I'm trying to think of like decent teams, but probably not going to win the Super Bowl type teams, at least, you know, in the past, so that it makes more sense. So we're not saying the Jets because that's confusing. So, yeah, I, I, I get it to some extent, but I also don't want to take that too far where it's like, oh, yeah, dude, they're a good team. So it totally makes sense. No, no, it doesn't because we shouldn't lose or get embarrassed at home to teams that are decent like the Jets. Even if we concede that, we should have smoked them. But, yes, you're uh, correcto mundo. Hey, Ryan, Steve up in Alaska. How's it going? Good, man. How Maybe are I you? I'll give you a call before I go outside and do some yard work on yeah. a sunny day up here. Chopping down uh, trees. You know, this this, this season, it, it, it was going to be a tough one going into it. I felt that, you know, we were 13 and three, or 13 wins the last three years, and you know, that kind of thing can't be kept up. You know, I, I figured we were going to 10, 11 wins to be good enough to get us where we need to go and then we can see what happens. But looking at the way the team is playing right now and the way they look, I'm, I'm with a lot of folks and I'm switching gear to that. Hey man, if this season just tanks out, it'd be really nice to have a high draft pick. We haven't had a high draft pick in a long time and we've done good with those. We've gotten good value out of them and, 
hey, the team can turn around, you know. It, it just, sometimes it just takes one or two guys. And I know earlier you said, hey, we got all the talent. We got all the players with all the skill. And all those players are really young, and we've done a lot of upgrading in all kinds of places, from the coaching staff to all the positions, except for one place, and that's our quarterback. And you, know, you say that we're not going to get a guy as talented as Rodgers, maybe not as talented as Rodgers, but we can get a guy who's a better motivator than Rodgers, a guy that comes in and people want to play more for because they feel he's there for them, he's there with them. You know, Rodgers is 38 years old. He's playing with a bunch of guys in their mid-20s. He's going out and exploring himself and trying to find himself. And these guys are about having a good time and being in the here and now. They're not necessarily the same wavelength of thought. You know, you see Rodgers in, in games, all depressed and down and moping. We don't need that from our quarterback. We need a guy who's going to come in and say, hey, let's go. Everybody get together. We can do this and do some rah-rah. A little bit of Tom Brady. Maybe not that much, but a little bit of Tom Brady. You know, and how much does that cross over when he gets to the sidelines? Is he talking to guys or guys wanting to talk to him? You know, if we get a young quarterback in there that's, hey, I'm ready. I want to do this. I still have something to prove. I got something to try to beat. Maybe I'm not Rodgers talent, but I'm way more than Rodgers on the field when it comes to getting guys who want to play for him. I don't think these guys want to play for Rodgers as much anymore. You know, so that that's my thought on it. I'm, I'm a huge Rodgers fan. That's the most memorable draft I, I have where I got to see the guy I wanted us to get the most of the entire draft fall to us. I was so excited when we got him. But you know what? The time is coming. He's, again, 38. You know, not everybody's going to be Tom Brady. You know, no, you, guys start to fall apart at some point in time. And 38 is about where the best of the best before fell apart. So I think the one place that we can rebuild the team is the quarterback position. But how much of the coaching staff – feels they have to cater to Aaron Rodgers because he's Aaron Rodgers and lets the team do things that's maybe not in the best interest of the team because it's Aaron Rodgers. We get a young guy. We'll let Steve continue here. Well, since he got cut off at three minutes, let me just interject my thoughts up to this point. And, and that is just to say that I, I agree insofar as, um, you know, I get excited about the draft. I get very excited. And if you told us we were going to get a high pick, that would make it exciting. Um, I don't want to watch the team lose. It's, it's, there are two separate things in my mind. I want the team to be successful, and I also want us to get a high pick because I think it's fun and it's exciting, and I, I like that stuff. I, I like the idea of having these top prospects possibly being on the team. What could, what could that mean over the next you know five, ten years? Um, it's fun. But in reality, if if we know that the team is going to suck, there's really no reason for you to want a high pick unless you're talking about a quarterback. That's the only thing. Because there's not one other position that you could look at and say, if we just had one rookie this, and I don't care if he's top five, we'd be much better. What would it be? Go go go! look at this year's draft class. Because I know you can look at next year. Well, next year we got a guy. I know there's always a guy next year. And then when the draft finally comes, it's like, well, okay, he's not that great. But next year, there's another guy. Oh, my goodness, he's the greatest thing ever. There's always a greatest thing ever coming. Um, but if you look at this year's draft class, who who is the real big game changer? Aiden Hutchinson uh, opposite Rashawn Gary? No. Who would it be? There, there's really nobody that's even slightly interesting. Or even if you go over the last five draft classes, I mean, you could add some studs, you know, Bosa. Uh, off the edge, a couple different tackles, maybe. Um, but for the most part, there's no one position, even if you just auto-upgraded it, that's going to change all the issues we're seeing right now. Um, it takes a lot more. But with quarterback, at least now you're kind of talking about a new direction. It's kind of like a mini-rebuild without having to get rid of anybody. It's 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 a new direction. It's new motivation. That whole thing I've been talking about, about buy-in, and like you know nobody believes in us, and we can do this, and this is going to be a new era and all that. Um, there's something to kind of sink your teeth into with that. Uh, just you would need the quarterback to be good at stuff and and hopefully not have any of those issues that Rodgers had and then hopefully adding in some of his own um, talents and whatnot, not being a terrible football player and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that if there is a guy. And it's exciting, too, because, you know, it's – you look at the different dimensions. We haven't had a new quarterback in a long time, and, and what you look for in a quarterback has changed. 
you know um it's it's mostly fake the idea that you're going to get this new elite dominant quarterback that's better than Rodgers probably not but it's still exciting i mean even you know you get a guy with a with a cannon of an arm that uh can run a 4-4 flat or something crazy you know and it's it's fun to think about but um anything other than a quarterback is kind of like yeah if you're a bad if you're that bad that you're picking that high there's no one pick at any position that's going to fix this disaster and quarterback is even pot- potentially a stretch i only got a little bit more on my rant on this but yeah you get a young guy in there that the coaches can tell him to do things and he's going to do those things and you're not going to have oh i'm going to get on the field and you know what I know better. I'm going to do this instead. A lot of things can happen differently. It's it's, it's just a big chunk of it. And then you look at the price. You know, if we look at the money that we can save. That is also a very, very good point because it's not just it's not just upgrading the quarterback position. You're upgrading the entire team because that money is going to be allocated in other places. So that is a good point, too. Over a period of time, we can get more talent. And I know we have all the talent we need. Our offensive line should not look talented. It'd be nice enough to be able to go out and buy some better offensive linemen if that's what we... Well, and if, if you look at 2018, 2019, that whole situation, you know, as the talent started to dissipate, we didn't necessarily spend as much money. And Gutekunst, what did he do, especially with a healthy salary cap? Um, you know, now we have much more talent. And the reason we can... We don't have that much more cap space is because we've pushed so much money out or whatever. But the point is, we can get a healthy cap with cap space and spend just a ton of money and do kind of like what he did in 2019, Zadarius Preston, Amos, Turner, you know, on down the line. Um, is that the end of the line? I don't know. There might be one more piece of the line. But um, that's where you can add in those areas as well. With But, but that's even that's going to take a little bit of time because the money spent on Rodgers is now going to be spent on not having Rodgers. And I don't even know how that, that works, but I don't think he's going to be going to. But the point is... I understand what you're saying, and that makes a lot of sense. Got to do. <laughs> that money's tied up in Rodgers. We can't buy those players. You know, everybody's talking about, you know what we need to do to fix this season? We need to, need to go get OBJ. we got to be able to afford OBJ. Yeah. And a bunch of money is tied up into Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think it's just time to move on. You know, if, if we're down for, you know, two, three seasons, so be it. You know, we've been spoiled. We've had a lot of winning years. If we got to take a step back for a few seasons to get another team with a quality core built around it that can go on and, and put us back in the playoffs again for 10 straight years after that, hey, I'm all for it, you know. So that's the end of my rant. You know, I hope everybody else out there is trying to keep a positive outlook on the season in one form or another, however you decide to go about it. But we're still Packer fans. It's still our team. Go Pack, go. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that. Um Pretty much, I guess, across the board. I'm, I'm not looking for a change at quarterback right now. But again, the, the other reason why it's okay to talk about more now than, than in the past is it's not just a matter of we need to replace him. It's a matter of reality. This is going to happen soon, whether you want it to or not, you know, in two, three years or whatever. Um, so it's worth exploring and thinking about and getting excited about on some level. We'll see exactly how that all pans out. Hopefully it's not 2022 is a disaster season so 2023 we get a high pick hopefully we at least get one year reprieve before we collapse but uh you know we'll see how it goes hey ryan it's brett from merrimack hi i just had a random well not really random but it's not really Packers related but it kind of is but i'm just wondering if you heard or read the article about tom brady stating that the NFL going playing in the NFL is like being deployed Oof. or going on a deployment. First of all, I am an army veteran and I was pretty appalled at that, you know, at that uh, comment that he made. I hated Tom Brady before this. And now my passion for him is like through the roof. Um Yeah. Just wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. And also, as an Army veteran, I was deployed to Iraq for a year. So it really, really lit a fire under my butt hearing him talk like that. I think he's just losing it. You know, he's going through divorce. He shouldn't have unretired. He's, I don't know, maybe he's turning into Antonio Brown. I don't think he's going to his shirt off drinking and start running around and Sorry. stuff like that or exposing himself and 
what? pools at hotels. What but happened? Man, that really it it still bugs me too. I mean, I understand what he was saying, like trying to say, but that was a very very piss poor analogy on his part. And yeah, there you are. Hello, we're losing I'm Brady, but now I really hope he. Yeah, that he tanks, I guess. I don't know. Just wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. Um, hopefully the Packers have gotten their heads out of their butts for the upcoming game against the Commanders with no Carson Wentz. But then again, we do terrible against second and third string quarterbacks. So, look out, Taylor Heineke. You might have a game of your life. But trying to stay positive. But, yeah, just wanted to hear what your thoughts are on that. Uh, go Pack, go. So I didn't hear about that, that jingle you heard in the background. I'd Googled it to try to find an article about it. Um, and all I'm seeing, Tom Brady apologizes for comparing playing in the, mili- the NFL to military deployment. He says a very poor choice of words. Uh, let's play this here. Oh, come on. Play the stupid thing. So there's his apology. I will say, when you look at the actual phrasing of it, um, it's, you know, I understand, but here's what he said. He says, I almost look at football, uh, I almost look, I almost look at like a football season, like you're going away on deployment in the military. And it's like, man, here I go again. So I guess slightly to his defense, he's as somebody who's never been deployed, granted, but he's trying to say that that's how he views it. He tries to get himself in the mindset or to he, he thinks of things in that way. I, I don't know. He didn't directly say this is like being deployed to Iraq. You know, he's talking about his how he feels about it. But again, I, I get what you're saying. He has no idea. And also, it's still just a stupid comparison because, no, it's it's obviously not like that. Um, but anyways, no, I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, not a bring big Brady guy. And at, at this point it's, it's now he's starting to get bad PR, which he never really got in the past. And so it just, it feels like things are falling apart. You know, he's not the golden boy anymore. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers, when you kind of lose that golden boy status and there's newer, younger, better, and you're not really playing very well. And your team's not really doing very well. And then you come out with a comment like this. It's like, it just feels like things are really starting to unravel. And all I could think is, this dude is is really regretting coming back. That's all I can think of. Come on. Hey, Ryan, this is Garrett. Hey, Garrett. Hey, I have an idea for when we go in and play the Commanders. All right. That after the game, no matter what the outcome, we uh, kidnap Scary Terry, hide him out in the equipment bag, and smuggle him back to Green Bay throw the number 18 jersey on him, okay. give him a darked out uh, visor so nobody can tell that it's him, and throw a cob out there, and it actually be Scary Terry, and uh, see how we make that can work. But uh, whatever we got to do, we got we to gotta come away with uh, something to help this team out. I'm out. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, I had to Google Scary Terry. I, I assumed you meant Terrible Terry Tate, Triple T. But uh, apparently, Scary Terry is a guy from Rick and Morty. Haven't watched it. Not. Oh, what was that show I'm supposed to watch? Dang it! The uh, the 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 fellas, the brothers, the the dudes, the the homies, <laughs> the boys. Right? Isn't it the boys? Hold up. I'm failing here. I'm gonna do it. It is. It's the boys. I'm what? I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. We're gonna do this for reals. But yeah, whatever we got to do, man, to get the uh, to get the old edge going there. Uh, all right, one more and then a break. Okay, back to reality, Ryan. All right. Uh, I'm really kind of wondering, you know, a lot of people have discussed why aren't we running the ball more, why aren't we running the ball more, or is it uh, too much running if we give the guys 40 touches between Dylan and AJ? And I just kind of recall back to the Lombardi days where – they would run that sweep or they would run a certain 
play over and over and over and over because the team couldn't stop it that they were playing. Yep. And I know that we don't have that consistency yet, but if they're truly wanting to do something really well and develop an identity, I feel like this team could at least start with that and stay with it and not that we're wanting to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand, but, man, looking at the breakdown of the passes that he is making sometimes and then the players that he's overlooking that are wide open, he's not seeing the field very well sometimes. And it's alarming to see how uh, people are breaking down the video and showing how his back is turned to one side and, and just not seeing all the field. He's just so quick to want to get rid of the ball because the guys aren't blocking that he's just not seeing the field. And it's just, it's real discouraging. It's like, what are we going to do to solve that? And I just feel like, just my opinion, it's like, man, I want to see Aaron Jones get the ball more. I want to see Dylan break out of this whatever funk that he's in as far as running with concrete shoes and all. But, man, these guys have so much potential. It's like I want to see these guys do good in the running game for it to just develop everything else and hopefully open up. Uh, the defenses and, and force them to uh, do something different. But I don't know. It's just me just talking nonsense. But I just want to see them do one thing and do it well and develop an identity going forward because right now they're definitely playing with no identity. I can't name one thing that they're doing well right now. Yeah, I think I figured out the disconnect between, or at least I can articulate the disconnect between fans and the team as a whole. The team lives in should the fans live in is. Um, they live in a world of what should be the case. You know, we, we should be able to execute these passing plays. We should be able to do this. Rodgers should be able to, to throw to this guy, and he should be able to catch it. We should be able to run this play in this situation according to our statistics and our, our film breakdowns, and, and we should be able to win with this play at this time in this situation. Elton Jenkins should be able to play right tackle. Should, 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 should. And Packers primarily, Packer fans primarily live in what is. What is is that we run the ball well, and we're not passing the ball well. So we should, different kind of should, we should be running because what is the reality is that we're running well. So we need to live in the world of what is happening right now as opposed to what theoretically should be happening. I think there's merit to should because this is what football is about. It's about, you know, if if I'm smart enough, if I'm a good enough coach to be able to do all the film breakdown and all that stuff, and we've come to the conclusion that these are their tendencies in these situations, and based on those tendencies, they're going to be running this defense, and based on that defense, we should run this play. And 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 so that that's that. And now it's just a matter of the guys need to go out and do it. Um. And I think that's the, the most optimal way to win football games, but you need to have the pieces to do it. And I think, and I mentioned this on the podcast tomorrow, the merit for the coaching staff, the players and all that who kind of live in should is not wanting to give up. You know, I mean, we, we this is the best possible play to run in this situation and we should be able to execute it or we abandon it. We give up on being able to execute what we should be able to execute. We give up on being able to uh, be a team that can impose their will and to, to do what it is we need to be able to do in this situation. We give up on it, and we just run the ball because it's the only thing left that we can do, and we just retreat back to the Alamo, and we say, this is all we got left. Um, there's probably a balance in there somewhere, and I do think, include, I mean, the coaches have even acknowledged this, I do think there needs to be more of accepting what the reality is they need to be running more, um, you know, even with the defense, the changes that needed to be made. They lived in should, 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 and finally it got to the point where it's like, okay, should ain't happening. They should be able to do this, 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 this. They should be able to do everything that you're saying, but they're not. And so now what are you going to do? And he's like, all right, fine, you're right. We'll just, we'll reel it back and we'll do something else. We'll be more aggressive. We'll do this, we'll do that. Fine. So, yeah, I, I think um, I think they're stuck in should. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate it, and I appreciate they don't want to give up on their guys and give up on their, their ability to be a dominant team. Um, but I do think at some point you got to look at it and say it's just not working. And, and maybe we reel it back, we live in the world of is, and then we try to build, right? We, we stick with the less optimal offensive line because it's what's working for now. 
with the hopes that eventually Elton kind of gets back to health and all that. We put him back at tackle. Everything's back to normal. We run the ball more now in hopes that eventually Dobbs kind of picks it up and we get everything a little bit more figured out in, in the the passing game and, and et cetera, et cetera. Right? I think that's the balance, in my opinion. It's we live in what is and we work toward what should rather than just starting right out of the gate in what should. This is what I expect. You know, they always talk about the standard. This is the standard. This is what I expect you to be able to execute, and we're going to go out and, and crank it up to, to level 10. Well, you can, but we're going to keep losing because we're not there yet. So that's, that's kind of my thought. In other words, I, I, I tend to agree, and I've said it before. If, if you're able to do it, do it until they prove to you that they can stop it. And I think we have a good enough run game, so just, just keep pounding it down their throat. Do we take a break yet? I can't remember. Let's let's take a break. If it's a second break, I apologize. <laughs> In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Good afternoon, Ryan. Packer Superfan. Hey. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? I've been, sorry, I haven't been able to call in recently. I've been very busy at work uh, this week. Um, got a lot of thoughts about the Packers, but I just got done listening to your podcast from the past couple of days, and I just got to tell you that. Always makes me so nervous when people say that. I just got done listening, and I had some thoughts like, oh, no, what did I say now? What did I do? I'm sorry. I'm under the influence of ayahuasca, I'm, I, please don't be mean. They are just lit. I mean, these are fantastic content. Pods. Thank you. I mean, I listened to the one this morning with you and JJ, just the two of you uh, playing off of each other. It was fantastic. Thank you. Um, and then your review of the game, uh, both the first half and the second half, just really, really good content. I mean, uh, just eating it up. Well, I'm eating lunch here. I just wanted to just say, keep up the good work. Um, hope this team can turn things around. Um, looking forward to seeing what they can do against uh, the, the Washington football team or commanders or whatever they're calling them these days. So, anyway, just wanted to let you know, appreciate everything you're doing and, and just love the content. Thanks. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that, too. Um, yeah, feedback is, is always nice because – Especially when I do, even when I do the same thing, I, I, I'm always thinking that people don't like it, you know? Um, halfway through my review of the first half, second half, whatever, I'm thinking, do people want to listen to this? Like every single play? I don't know. Do they want more detail, less detail? Am I talking too much or not explaining enough? Or are people just thinking this is stupid? I can't see it. Why does this matter? Same with like, you know, PFF reviews. Do you know, I know some people love it, and I know some people, it's like, I don't care. You don't need to read PFF to me. So I, I don't know. I never really know. I have gotten positive reviews about the game review thing, but um, I never know. That's the thing. And so every once in a while, you get like a bad review on iTunes. or like, oh, it went downhill. Like, why didn't you tell me? What, what went wrong? Tell me. I don't know. I don't know stuff. You know, I can't promise I'm going to change things. But if enough people are like, eh, it's not my favorite segment. Maybe I'll change it. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, do appreciate the feedback. Speaking of JJ, what's going on, playoffs? Hey, Ryan. Um, this is an Ohio State thing because okay. I heard you talking on the last background after dark yep. about Ohio State wide receivers. And I think you knew my thoughts on Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Yeah. I liked Garrett Wilson significantly better than Chris Olave. I didn't have either one of them as my – 
number one tight end or a wide receiver in the draft. But you're talking about the, the guys who are currently in school there who are coming out, and I want to give you a little bit of uh, context. Okay. So Jackson Smith and Jigba is like the big name. Right. And he's the guy that like people think like, oh, man, maybe he's going to be the number one wide receiver in the draft. I don't think so. Uh, I really like him. I think he's very, very special. His thing that makes him so just really special is his yards after the catch. Once he has the ball in his hands, what he can do, okay. right? Got it. That's kind of that's kind of the thing. His route running, I think, is just okay. His catching ability is is good, but it's it's you know he's the kind of guy like he can catch the ball standing still and then start running forward and like that's that's still what he's making people pay. Yeah. And Mecca Abuka, uh, I think is probably the most talented of the three guys currently there. Uh, but he's not going to be in this draft class. He's next year. Um, I think he's just the most well-rounded dude. But he's got a lot of development yet to go. He's still pretty young. He's a second-year guy. Uh, and then Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, really like him. Um, he's going to have crazy, flashy stats. Um, he's a he's a touchdown machine. He's an end zone guy. Um, like him a lot. I think he's like high-end wide receiver two in the NFL. That's just my take on him. He'll get a lot of touchdowns no matter what. That's just his game. Yep. But in terms of like just being a chain mover, I think uh, Neka Abuka is like he he's the guy who can go be a number one for an NFL franchise. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a really good slot receiver in the NFL, and I think he's going to really hurt people with his yards after the catch. So is he like an upgraded Olave? Is that kind of where we're we're at with in Jigba? So. He's Olave, um, Ibuka is sort of your Devante, and then who would uh, who would Harrison be? I don't know. I can't think of like a, a pure touchdown guy. He's the anti Julio, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I don't think he or Marvin Harrison Jr. are going to be number ones in the NFL. Emeka probably going to be a number one. So, and there, there's other guys there, Jaden Ballard. And, and whatnot, but I, you know, haven't seen anything yet from them, so we'll see. So, want to give you uh, pronunciation help with their names and some context about them. Appreciate that, but as you know, I'm going to forget. You already told me about Njigba, and then I started forgetting again, and then, you know, you, you do that thing where it's like, I think it's Njigba, but did I think it was Njigba before, and then I got corrected, or did I think it was something else, and then got corrected into Njigba? I don't know. And then you then you want to go back to saying it phonetically because if you just start saying random non phonetic things that that doesn't really make sense. Not that Njigba technically isn't phonetic, it is, but still not how you'd think it's pronounced. But yeah, um, it it is nice to have the context, especially since you know around this time, and especially in the next coming months, it's going to be real heavy in the these are the greatest wide receivers we've ever seen. I'm already seeing that with Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you know, the highlights are already starting and, and all the hype is starting. And like you said, and Jigba's the big name, probably for now. I know he was one of the highest graded PFF guys last year. I was shocked to see his name wasn't even on the list. I'm sure he's there somewhere. I just, it wasn't in the top three or top two of, uh, Ohio state. So that kind of surprised me. I'm guessing the NFL will catch up to that, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to have the, the context to kind of, they're real good, but let's let's not uh, let's not do that again. But we are going to do that. So what's the point in even saying let's not do that? So Brian, this is Blake's dad. Um, what up? Just calling to uh, let you know I tried that fishing clash app. Yeah. Not sure if that's just an ad reader if you actually really play it, but it's kind of fun. I uh, don't really know what I'm doing, but catching some crazy fish off the Florida coast. For the record, I do play. I play a lot of. Um, I, I let me let me just put it this way. I probably shouldn't say what it is because you know don't want to advertise for someone else. But I'm having a hard time drawing myself away from a game that is a kids' game, like a, a phone app. Kid, my my son loves it. Me and him play competitively all the time. But um, yeah, I, I I get addicted to 
addicting type games, and this is definitely one of them. So yes, I do play. Yes. And then uh, I was wondering if you if you actually do like fishing. Uh, I know you said you don't have much time. I heard that, but uh, when you do fish, what's your favorite type of fish to catch? Panfish is always fun, but for me personally, I I love bass fishing. That's what I try. Um, what about you? And then um, when- um, so I was very obsessed with fishing when I was, I say younger, but it's kind of into early adulthood. Uh, my uncle would take me a lot. I mean, I, I loved it when I was a kid down in Illinois and they don't have fishing like they do up here with giant lakes. You go to the forest preserve and we could walk around the lakes down there. I mean, there's chain of lakes, but we didn't really go there. Um, so it was a lot of shore fishing. I don't even think you were allowed to put a boat in the lake that we went to. Um, Deep Quarry was the name of it. We fished there all the time. I used to go there constantly. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I mean, whatever you, you could pan fish off the, um, off the dock. You're kind of, we were always trying to catch the elusive giant bass. It was very rare, but, but you could kind of do that. There was, apparently there were pike in there. There's no musky, but supposedly there are pike. I never saw one, never caught one. You would think one of these times we would occasionally we'd take a rod and launch it into the deep end. Cause supposedly that's where the deep fish or where the big fish are, you know? Um, but no, once my uncle started taking me, it was funny because I remember I was a teenager and we went out on a boat, which I thought was stupid because, you know, why don't we just go on the shore? And then he started using lures, which I think my dad caught like a bass on a banjo minnow once, but I thought lures were so stupid because it's like, you can't catch fish on a lure. So we go out and we're casting out in the middle of the lake. Um, and within a couple casts, he gets a walleye to just crash his lure. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Then we went up to the turtle flambeau flowage, and that was that was my obsession for a while. I mean, we, we drove up there, and this is northern Wisconsin. I'm from Illinois, so you got the, the the cool trees that are in like long rows and everything. But but we went out there and um we we saw a black bear and a porcupine and bats and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then we kind of backed into this little area area and and it was like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was not a wide open spot. We we went out into wide open area eventually, but remember we went out and um, just something, I don't, I don't, I can't even describe it. Something about it was just, it was so awesome. But then on top of that, within a couple casts, I had a, a fish crash my lure and he said, he yelled at me, it was a musky reel. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? Didn't end up catching that obviously, but, but we were catching walleye and uh, all kinds of stuff. Generally speaking, we would go walleye fishing. When we'd go out, that was that was the thing we'd pretty pretty much always only go for. We went out to uh, Port Washington for uh, perch fishing. That was that was the best fish I've ever eaten. When we brought those perch home and we uh, beer batter deep fried the the perch, that was the best fish I've ever had. But yeah, we go ice fishing twice a year. Go once uh, first ice in in December when you got the two inches and you're you know the ice is cracking underneath your feet. And then once in February, when the ice is, you could drive a, a truck on it, and you're wearing like a t-shirt because the sun's beating down on you and everything. At least I did. I don't know. It got hot. But yeah, set up the tip-ups. Um, we, we did also go musky fishing several times. Uh, musky fishing's cool. It's definitely not my favorite thing. You know, obviously, it's it takes a lot of patience. There's a whole lot of standing and casting and everything, but uh, caught some real big fish. Ice fishing actually was the biggest fish I ever caught. Musky pulled it through the ice. I don't exactly know how big it was. Um, but we got pictures of it. It was it was pretty massive. I had some pretty bad frostbite. All right, funny story, and then we'll move on. This is like the story that we always have to tell. You know, tell them the story. So, Grandma, we we go up. Um, we used to go up once a year to a place up in uh, Manitowish Waters, right near Manaqua, Mercer, that area, northern Wisconsin. Grandma is very very protective. Right, if I go outside and I'm so so we we would set up tip ups and then you kind of hang out inside. That was like the the bougie version of ice fishing that we would do once in a while. But of course, I'm the one that had to like gear up and go check the tip ups. I was like, oh, fine. And after a while, and this was so this is the worst day ever. First of all, no, no snow on the ice. Very slippery. And beyond that, I'm telling you, 40, 50 mile an hour winds. You would stand. I would stand still and it would start pushing me backwards. And so then now you're losing ground. It's already hard enough to walk out there. So so we're getting a bunch of what you call wind ups. The, the wind blew the tip-ups up, and I started getting tired of it, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put boots on. I wouldn't tie them. i just slap them on, throw on, like, my, my overalls and no coat and a sweatshirt or something. 
and walk out there. And sure enough, it's a, it's a freaking wind up. Like, dang it. So I reset that and I look over and there's another tip up up. I'm like, come on, man. So I'm walking out there. I'm freezing the hand. My, my hands are freezing. Walk out there. And sure enough, I see the spindle spinning. And you can kind of tell what kind of fish it is by, um, by how it's spinning. You know, if it's a nice, smooth turn, it's a walleye. If it's spinning like a top, it's a northern. And it's spinning nice and slow. We're, we're trying to catch walleye, so I'm like, ooh, it's a walleye. So anyways, I, I, I grab it, I set the hook, and it's, it's snagged. It's stuck. I'm like, oh, come on. It's the worst day ever. I'm, I'm freezing. I cannot feel my hands. I mean, you, you got to dig your hand in the, in the water and everything. And so it's, it's, it's snagged, and then it just takes off. And I realize it's not snagged. It's, it's in a fish. And so I'm trying to slowly work this thing. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, first of all, why can't they, I, I, I guess they couldn't see me through the trees or whatever, but grandma is always sending somebody in like five minutes. You go check on them. I'm nervous. Nobody's checking on me. It's like 45 minutes goes by outside. Can't feel my hands screaming at the top of my lungs at the cabin, waving my arms like a crazy person. And finally, probably an hour later, my uncle comes out. I'm, I, I honestly was thinking maybe my grandpa died. Just, just, just thinking random stuff like somebody died because grandma's grandma is not able to send a search party for me. Something drastic has happened. So my uncle comes out and he's he's like, "The heck is wrong with you?" He's like, "There's another tip up up." He's like, "What are you doing?" And I, at this point, I'm just pissed. And I'm you can't really hear because it's so windy, but I'm screaming at him, "Get over here now!" Waving, waving, like stop walking to the other stupid tip up and get over here. Anyways, he comes over. Finally, he starts wrestling the thing. I'm trying to warm up my hands. Finally get a glimpse of it, and you can just see this giant fat back coming across the uh, across where the hole is. Just thick, thick back. So he's fighting it for another, I don't know, maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes on top of how long I've been battling this thing. Anyways, finally get it through the hole. Giant musky. He, t- he tells me I need a, you know, he's trying to uh, get it all. We, we, we take pictures. We let it go. We're not going to leave a musky out on the ice. Northern we will, we'll leave them out for the eagles, but musky we're not. That's pretty cool, by the way. You go up to some of those areas, you throw a northern out on the ice, and you watch a bald eagle come down and swoop down and pick it up. But anyways, we do all that. He's trying to get it all set back up, and he says, give me a hook, and I'm reaching in my pocket, and I cannot feel where the hooks are. I'm like, what the heck? Where are the stupid hooks? Pull my hand out. I had about eight eight hooks in my hand. <laughs> I didn't, couldn't even feel it. But anyways, apparently, Grandma and Grandpa went to the grocery store, and that's why they never sent a search party. But that was one of the biggest fishes, uh, fish we ever uh, or I ever pulled through the ice. Got a walleye mounted from the same lake. That that thing was its stomach was so fat. We didn't know if it would fit through the hole. It was crazy. But yeah, lots of, lots of good time fishing. Done a lot of trolling up in Lake Winnebago. A lot in the sort of Milwaukee area, the Oconomowoc area. Those lakes, fish, uh, open fishing, ice fishing. I think my favorite to fish was probably Dubai. I don't know why. I just always really liked Dubai. Had a lot of success out there. Pretty chill area. But yes, I uh, I don't fish anymore. I have not gone. I feel very guilty about that because I need to take my son fishing. He's been asking as many times as I've been taking taken fishing, either by my dad or uncle or whatever. Um, something I wish I had done more of with my kids in general, but especially my son, who's been, again, asking a lot. But done a lot of fishing in my life, yes. Hey, Ryan, this is Todd from Reno. Hey, Todd. A couple things here. First of all, uh, going back to the discipline and um, Matt LaFleur, when Matt LaFleur's first name head coach, the question was, will Aaron Rodgers buy into the system? And will he play in the system, or will he do his own thing like he was doing towards the end of his years with Mike McCarthy? Well, we know the first three years he bought into the system because look at his uh, most valuable players for the last two years. But the, you have to ask, is he really buying into the system this year? I mean, I think he is. I just think the team's maybe not performing like he would like. When you look at that team, there's no Christmas. You look at that offensive line coming off the ball, they're just a hair second slower because they never look like they're on sync. And going to the uh, getting rid of LaFleur and all that stuff, you're right about one thing. Changing the coach isn't the answer, because I don't think our players are playing up to their potential. And changing the coaches, but changing the players isn't going to help, because they're not 
they just need to be coached better. I think the way LaFleur gets his team back, bench him. Can you imagine Matt LaFleur? Rogers, you had three bad, three and outs. Get Jordan ready. Rogers, you watch from the bench for a little bit and we'll figure it out. Can you imagine the uproar if he started benching players, especially starters like that? Oh, I can imagine. But I mean, he's got to get, get control of his team. Because you're right, there is no discipline. And they, they just don't seem to buy in. Don't know why that is. They had a couple good years and they think now they can just walk through this. And receivers, remember I had you look at the first four games last year and this year mm-hmm. and there weren't much different. This year we have no Devante and they weren't much different than last year. So receivers is not all the problem. Anyway, have a good day. Bye bye. Yeah, I don't, I, the buy-in thing is tough. I know the first year seemed to be kind of a hybrid, you know, Shanahan offense slash McCarthy offense because that's what Rodgers likes. It's hard to tell where they went from there. It does feel like they've added more and more of the Shanahan West Coast version of the offense to the team. We've seen more of it and probably more this year than ever, which is maybe part of the issue. I don't know. But also, it it almost feels like he's fallen out of love a little bit with the system just based on the comments. And, and maybe even falling out of love is, is not the right way to put it because I don't know if he ever fully bought in. Just based on the comments of, you know, the, the, the system has flaws. And it seems like he really likes some of the stuff. And, and I, I guess the question I would have, and I don't know the answer to, is how many plays do they have that are plays that Aaron Rodgers carried over? Because... Honestly, I I think the answer should be zero. Because it's way too hard to learn one system as opposed to two. And if they're asking the wide receivers, offensive line, running backs to learn two different systems so that we can do Matt LaFleur's offense, but also run a couple plays that are that are Aaron Rodgers, maybe there's enough overlap where it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. But you listen to Rodgers talk about how it's all about timing and preci- precision and and you know everything is built around um, you know, you, you, you tie in your drop to your throw and, and, and everything else is, is timed up perfectly. And Shanahan's system isn't necessarily built that way. Well, I mean, if you're going to go in a new direction, you need to go in a new direction and not ask these guys to be able to do two different things. Even if you really like certain concepts and even, you know, if the, the coach has said, you know, we're, we're going to allow you to do that. And again, I don't know if that's even happening. Maybe it's not. It's just, it's just the only thought I've had in terms of, of buy-in. I know he appreciates the system. Um, yeah, I mean, there, it, it's an impossible question for me to answer because I don't know, but I do know that Rogers believes, believes in himself a lot. And I know that, um, he probably believes in himself a lot more than a lot of other things. Number one being the head coach and his ability. Not that he doesn't believe in him. I'm not saying he doesn't, but he believes in himself more. He believes in, in his self and his, his ability and his intelligence more than his coach, his wide receivers his offensive line, and even the scheme, which he said is is flawed compared to what he described as the most beautiful system in football or whatever um, that he came from over with Mike McCarthy. So it's easy to to see without me saying I know for sure or or simply flat out saying that this is the way that it is. It's easy to see where he would lean on himself too much and say, I'm, I'm not going to lean on the system, the coach, the receiver, the this, the that, and I'm going to fall back into what I trust and what I think is going to work, which is me making the right throw at the right time. Here's here's the play I like. Here's the call. Here's here's how it needs to be executed. And here's and I'm I'm going to make this work because I know I know this can't fail if if we can just get guys to execute. Which again, the issue is the execution. But again, I I I can't answer the question or even comment on it too much, other than to say it makes sense to assume that there is some level of lack of buy-in and that's probably true of every player not just Rodgers but it doesn't matter for anyone else nearly as much as it matters for Rodgers so I don't know man we'll uh we'll see uh, uh if, if I may be overly optimistic for a moment I think one of the benefits of being as bad as they are right now is that it forces you to confront some of the things that are not optimal so let's just say that that was a situation let's just say they did have you know, 70% Matt LaFleur, Shanahan-style offense, and 30% Rodgers-McCarthy um, style of offense. 
when you're winning and you're dominating everybody, despite the fact that, yeah, there's flaws along the way, you don't need to make drastic changes. You don't need to overhaul your offense and say, listen, we really got to cut this out. You don't need to address things like, hey, we're not getting Aaron Jones the ball enough or things of that nature. The offensive line, you know, we got a flaw at right, right guard, but we can weather the storm. Let's just ride it out until he, you know, eventually gets up to speed. But when things are this bad, you're forced to face it head on. Same with the defense. You know, if, if maybe what we're doing isn't optimal, maybe we could put our guys in better positions and utilize their strengths and their, their elite talents to a higher degree. But you know what? We're winning. And that's all that matters. And so let's just keep doing what we're doing. We can't do that right now. And so, again, the the one potential positive is there there should be drastic changes in which they're not able to just say, let's just ride it out. They have to confront it. They have to change it. And they have to improve and up and upgrade, update. And I'm sure there's a, there's a list of things that, you know, we're doing this. Probably shouldn't, but I'm not going to rock the boat where we got to just tear the wall down and say, listen, this has to get done. We, we have to do this. We, we, have to, we have to either lean more into this system or we have to look at that thing we were looking at before about doing more of this or less of this or whatever. And let's really optimize what we have here so that it's running better. You know, it's like you're, uh, you're trying to kind of eat good, but you're also not super eating great. You know, you're getting older, so you got to kind of be careful. And then you go to the doctor and find out, you know, you've got like a heart murmur or, you know, high blood pressure or high cholesterol or whatever. And your doctor's like, look, at your age, I'm not going to lie to you. You need to be careful. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, I can't, I can't just like kind of do this thing anymore. I really got to hammer down on this. Hopefully the Packers can kind of get into that mindset. That's all I'm going to say. Anyways, that's it for the calls for the day. I appreciate that. Please call in 608-501-0718. Drop your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, opinions, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.